Next up on the podcast, we have a first-time guest, hopefully not the last time. Um, got the pleasure to meet him this past weekend. Had to have him on the show. Uh, Taylor Lynch from Louisville Sports Live. How are you, Taylor? I'm doing good, guys. How are you all doing today? We're doing incredible coming off this win this weekend. Um, so we got to meet you. We actually got to kind of head down to the kind of media area after the game with you. Uh, thank, thank you for your assistance, Yeah, we didn't look like lost sheep. <laughs> Thanks to Taylor. Thank you. Thank you to Taylor Lynch no for that. No problem. Um, but I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that your immediate thoughts after the game, after we kind of watched everything unfold, Evan Connolly kind of come into the game and, and lead a drive, basically a game-winning drive, um, I feel like I heard you say that maybe Evan Connolly should be the guy going forward. Was that your immediate reaction? Was I wrong about that? No, you're right. That was immediately my reaction um, was that he should be the guy. Now, I, I think I've kind of simmered down on that reaction a little bit, sure. um, especially when you go back and you watch the film um, and you watch just how McHale handled himself when he had his opportunities, when he wasn't, you know, getting dinged up and having to come out of the game. Guys, he had what was probably the best game of his career at Louisville against mm-hmm. Boston College. But then you have a guy like Evan Conley come in. And I told Ethan this last night on our show, there's something about the way that Conley plays the game. There's this this gunslinger mentality that he has, this ability to stay in the pocket and deliver the ball at the very last minute. I mean, we saw it up there in the press box. You watched that one time Boston College brought pressure and came. you had a middle linebacker blitzing right up the middle and Conley just stays in there and waits to deliver the ball to, I believe it was Dez Fitzpatrick coming on a crossing route across mm-hmm. the, the middle of the field. But he hits Dez and then takes the shot, but he hung in there and waited to deliver a really good catchable ball to his wide receivers. Louisville's in a good position right now where I think either guy, if it's McHale or if it's Evan, either of those guys is going to give them an opportunity to win the game. And we said this um, – walking out of that game together on Saturday, I thought we might have a quarterback competition and quarterback controversy at the beginning of the year. I did not think it would involve Evan Conley. And I think that's right. kind of what we have right now. Right. I mean, Conley's a gamer. Like, I mean, that's what stands out to me is that right. he seems like a guy, you know, you know, we've had Puma pass in some form or fashion for almost four years. Um, you know, you saw almost an entire year of Malik Cunningham yeah. or Mikhail Cunningham. Um, plus five games yeah um they still don't even really have that mentality that Mm -hmm. i feel like conley has where he's just he's very willing to just kind of stand in take a hit and he he is not afraid to to make a pass that with with good coverage well and to to taylor's point that play he specifically just uh just talked about with you all right yeah, no, I got some time. <laughs> okay, no, that. Yeah, yeah, no. Your so your good. your opening answer was so good. I got <laughs> like choked up from that. But no, that play you specifically just mentioned from Conley. One that still means he's the only quarterback at Louisville right now that hasn't been sacked this year. That's little, a good little fun, fun fact. fact. Yeah, That's because he got the ball fact. out quick. But secondly, if you guys remember, I mean, this is the guy that he didn't come to Louisville because he wanted to come to Louisville. He is a Satterfield disciple. Yeah. So he followed Satterfield. As soon as Satterfield left App State, he yeah. made the jump with him. And I think there's a reason everyone's seeing the type of person that Satterfield is yeah. trying to recruit because everyone already heard the reports of him staying in the 
the film room till you know nine, nine ten, ten at right. night yeah. every night. Yeah, stuff we, like that. we like, heard Scott Satterfield say that at the press conference. Yeah, there's a reason he say, likes him. That's all he, I'm saying. He also mentioned that it, Taylor. I don't know if you remember him saying this, but he was reluctant to come to Louisville at first when right. Scott Satterfield yeah. called him up. He was reluctant to leave App State, and he had one question. He said, "Will there be an opportunity for me to earn my way onto the field?" And he's done that. Right. He's done that. What do you think, Taylor? About the what do you do from here on out? Do you play both guys? I, I thought that. Scott Satterfield did a really good job of knowing when to rotate them out. Yeah. We've seen in the past with whether it was Juwan and Malik last year or uh, you know, with Will Gardner and then the years with Kyle Bolin and Reggie Bonifant. We've seen Louisville try the two-quarterback thing, and it's just not been executed well. Do you think they can play both? Do you stick with, with Mikhail Cunningham? Do you go with Evan Conley? What happens when Juwan Pass comes back if he does? Uh, what are your thoughts on the quarterback? I think in the times that we saw Petrino attempt to go with a two-quarterback system, now, you know, not taking into account his first stint at Louisville, because I think he had great success in his first stint with going with two quarterbacks. Um, they did that quite a bit during during uh, Brian Brom's early years. Uh, you saw them go with a little two-quarterback system there where he would play most of the second half of games. Um, but, yeah, Bobby struggled in his first stint trying to go two quarterbacks. And I think, guys, the problem was, Louisville really didn't have two talented quarterbacks on the roster at that point. Uh, I mean, you look at some of those guys. Will Gardner's not playing football anymore. Reggie Bonifant's a uh, second-string running back for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Kyle Boland's coaching football now. None of these guys have moved on to play football at the next level at the quarterback position. Uh, so the talent wasn't necessarily there at the time to run a successful two-quarterback system. Uh, and even when Lamar was in there, uh, you had a, a young Puma pass that didn't have a lot of experience that was frankly getting in games and mop-up duties. You weren't really doing it then. Um, I think Louisville's got the talent now with Conley and with uh, Cunningham to go with a two-quarterback system, kind of shuffle them in and out. Um, if, the guy's got, if one of the guys has a hot hand, you roll with him for a little while. Uh, and then, you know, switch them out maybe after halftime or something like that. It, it's going to be really difficult moving forward to not give Evan Conley plenty of time. I've, I don't think there's an issue with letting McHale start games. Uh, I think he's, he's the older guy. He's kind of earned that. Um, but you've got to get Conley on the field. He's a gamer, uh, just like you said, and – you can't let talent like that sit on the bench. Uh, Scott Satterfield said the same thing in the preseason about Cunningham. Uh, if he wasn't going to be the quarterback, they had to find other ways to get him involved. You've got to find ways to get Evan Conley involved. You've got to find some packages, some snaps for him, uh, because he's he's proven that he deserves that. Well, and to your point, I think what makes the two-quarterback system, at least this season in particular for Louisville, uh, more effective than what you see in your normal two QB set is that you know when when Mikhail goes in there you know he's not just the traditional wildcat quarterback you know I, I think you see the other two-person quarterback system in almost every other offense you know one of the guys is going to be you know like a 
a, a tight Taysom Hill first. or whatever, just run. Yeah, right. Like you know exactly what he's going to do as soon as he gets in there. Yeah. We've seen right. at least the last three weeks that Mikhail can actually throw the ball, and he's getting better every single week of doing it. Yeah, and I'm really curious. We're going to talk to to Greg Fitzpatrick, Des's dad, here shortly, and I I want to ask him about that. Was that it, it has had they known for a long time that that Cunningham could throw the football like that, or is this just the staff really coaching him up? What do you think about you know his improvement from last year to this year? It's night and day, to be completely honest. I mean, you had a guy last year that he relied solely on his legs. And if the pass was there and it was wide open, he would throw it. But for the most part, he's relying on his legs to make plays. This year with this staff, and guys, a lot of credit needs to go to Frank Potts, and I don't think we give him enough credit for what he has been able to do with these quarterbacks. You're seeing now teams have to respect Mikhail's ability to throw the ball. It just it, it wasn't there last year. You see them having to respect that now. That makes him a more dangerous weapon in this offense. And just like you said, if, if they go with the two-quarterback system, if you've got Conley and Mikhail in there, you've still got to play the same type of defense that you would normally play because you have to be wary of the double pass now. You have to be wary of you know, Cunningham keeping it and running the ball, Conley killing you deep, uh, even Cunningham beating you deep. Um, and then, of course, you've got Javid Hawkins and Hassan Hall, whichever back is in there at that time. It's a really – this Louisville offense has a very good opportunity to be really dangerous the rest of the season with these two quarterbacks. Now, do you think part of Cunningham's progression, I guess, the last three weeks – in terms of just his growth and, and what we're seeing um, him just develop before our eyes during games, do you think that's just because of how much time he missed in the offseason with that knee injury? I think that probably has something to do with it. Um, they always say, we, we've heard the cliche that, you know, you learn when you're on the sidelines. Um, you can learn a lot when you're holding the clipboard in your hand. And I think Mikhail kind of used this opportunity to, to watch the other guys, watch how uh, Puma practices, watch how Evan practices, watch the little things that they do uh, that he could tweak with his own game. Uh, and I think it's, it's showing dividends now. And there's something to be said for just having the game reps, having the live reps. When right. you start seeing the same thing over and over again in a game, you're going to learn how to react to it. And that's what we're seeing from Cunningham right now. He's just learning how to react. And it feels like, when he's in a zone, he's just out there playing football, and he's not thinking. And when they can – that was the big – that was my big hang-up with Puma this entire beginning of the season. When mm-hmm. Puma was on, it was great. But when things weren't going right, you could tell that he was in his own head. He was thinking too much. He wasn't just reacting to what he was seeing. Um, and I think that that really, that really hurt him uh, in his development. Saturday, we we get to see Louisville take on uh, their second ranked team of the season, and they're actually looking to get their first, uh, believe it or not, their first win on the road against a ranked team since joining the ACC within the conference. The, the general consensus seems to be that fans and I, I think the team, which I mean, they're every week they're going to feel like they've got the ability to win, but I, I think the general consensus right now is Louisville's got a chance to to beat Wake Forest because of 
the defensive side of the ball for Wake Forest being very similar to Boston College, and now we kind of feel like Louisville's got a chance to put points up. How do you feel about Saturday's matchup? Do you think that there's a big reason to be worried about the defense, obviously going against Jamie Newman, who's been probably one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC this season? Rake number one, apparently, yeah. as of today. You know, I, Jamie Newman scares me. This Wake Forest offense scares me. Um, Jamie's a stud. I mean, he can do everything. The way they run their offense, guys, is so unique. There's not a team in the ACC that Louisville's going to see that runs a style of offense like this. They are slow and deliberate with their read option stuff and their zone read stuff. There's a lot of misdirection in this offense. If you watch Jamie Newman and the running back when they are in a zone read concept, he will walk up the line with the running back and keep that ball in his gut until the very last minute, until the defense decides what they want to do, and then he reacts to it. Um, if Louisville's going to have success on Saturday, this, the, the defense is going to have to stay in their gaps and be focused on where the football is and not so focused on the window dressing that's going to be going, going on around them. Um, if Louisville can do that defensively, I think they're going to be okay. The thing is, they don't have to get, you know, three and outs on every other possession. They just have to get enough stops because this offense has shown us that they can go down the field and they can score. And I don't think Louisville's going to have a problem scoring against Wake Forest. They just have to get enough timely stops to have an opportunity to go win this football game. And we saw that on Saturday against Boston College, guys, when the defense had to have the stop, they got the stop. They got it at the end of that game to prevent Boston College from getting into field goal range. When they had to do it, when their backs were against the wall, they made a play. I would feel bad for any Wake Forest tight end this weekend because it's going to be like, you know, they're going to need the jaws of life to get open <laughs> this weekend because I have a feeling that the defensive staff for the Cards sat down and watched all of the wide-open tight ends that Boston College had running around the field on Saturday and told these guys, Wake Forest tight ends are not catching a pass this Saturday. Um, we'll see We'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I, I, Louisville's got a good chance. Louisville has a really good chance because they have a good offense. And I don't remember the last time we could say that Louisville had a good offense. Yeah, they it, had good pieces. They had a good quarterback. They had an incredible Heisman-winning quarterback. But I think the pieces around this offense make it scary because it's not just one guy anymore. Yeah, You've got to be worried about tons of guys on this side of the ball. There's a couple of things that you said that I want to point out. One, I, I think that you're spot on with the defense talking about Scott Satterfield has been on a couple of different radio shows this week, and he's talked about what he calls gap integrity of guys get, being patient, yeah. filling their gaps, and not moving off of it. Because what the offense does is they try to capitalize on football instincts, meaning they go very slow in the RPO where – uh, Newman doesn't make a quick read. It's uh, it's like Scott Satterfield said. It's a walk up decision between the running back, and the quarterback. It's very slow, and they they force the defense to make a decision of Am I going to stay here and be patient and let the 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 play kind of play out before I make a move, or am I going to say I got to go get the football? And I'm really interested because Louisville's defense, the way that they slant is as soon as the the the, the ball is snapped, they slant, and uh, that calls for some 
I can see where that happens, where they slant so fast that the the play just moves in the opposite direction, and they're you know they're they're kind of at a disadvantage. So I'm really interested to see how that works. And then as far as the secondary goes, I agree with you with the tight end, but I, I I'm really interested to see. We're going to really find out what Chandler Jones and Anthony Johnson are made out of this week when they've got to go against yeah. Scotty Washington and and uh, Sage Surratt because these two guys, I mean, they've been two of the best receivers in the entire ACC. I mean, and Louisville's corners have proven that they are not great in one-on-one coverage a lot of the time. Um, so it's going to be it's going to really be a battle here. Now, in terms of the biggest key, Taylor, what do you think is if Louisville does X, they win? What do you think that is? If if Louisville can move the ball effectively against Wake Forest, I think that's the key to this game. If they can win the battle in the trenches on the offensive line, I think that that they're going to have a really good chance. The defense is going to be what it's going to be. They're going to give up some points. They're going to give up some big plays um, because of the nature of the Wake Forest offense. Um, but I think you know they'll be able to do enough to give Louisville an opportunity. Louisville offense has got to continue to move the ball and put up points. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot riding on this game. I mean, this is – if we're really talking about, you know, that B word at the end of the year, this is one of those that you've got to go on the road and get. I think Wake is a really good team. I think there may be a little bit of fool's gold because, guys, if you've seen their schedule, they haven't really played anybody. So, mm-hmm. yes, they're 5-0, and and, yes, they've looked good, but – if they played Louisville's schedule, do you guys think they would be five and up? No. I mean, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean Louisville is the trick uh, question. Louisville is statistically on just about every front the best team that Wake Forest is going to have seen mm-hmm. through the first six weeks of the season. I mean, and they've been tested by Utah State. Rice gave them a little bit of a right. battle early on. North Carolina gave them a battle up until the very end. Uh, Boston College almost beat them, and still somehow Wake Forest is number one team in the country on third down. Their quarterback is the top statistical quarterback in the ACC, so that tells me that they can put points up. That's right. it. You got to put up more points than them. That's mm-hmm. how you beat them. Right, and I also think it, you know, to to Taylor's point as well. You know, watch, going back and watching the BC Wake Forest game um, from the other week, you know, BC was able to really, really have an effective run game against Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think watching that, you know, really made me excited just because Taylor talked about just the versatility of the offense. You know, we, we're not one-dimensional anymore. And I think last week really, really proved that. So if they try to shut down a run, McHale has confidence now in the pass, and we know their secondary isn't that great. And if they try to, you know, start really trying to to take that away, we definitely know we have a great run game. So I think it, it really will be – kind of an offensive battle again in, in terms of like a shootout. But uh, to your all's point, I mean, this might be, even though we're talking about the defense giving up points and big plays and, and they still need to figure out a lot of the secondary, this is still probably going to be one of the most challenging defenses that Wake Forest has seen, you know, so far this season. Let, let's switch gears a little bit, Taylor, and let's let's talk about basketball because, uh, you know, with the ACC Operation Basketball, which is the dumbest media, the ACC with the ACC media kickoff or whatever they call it, yeah, Operation Basketball, it's so dumb. They look so stupid. Uh, Louisville goes in with probably the most hype they've had in five years, four years, um, and 
the ACC looking like they're going to take a step back collectively, especially at the top with Duke and North Carolina having to replace so much talent. But somehow Louisville is still voted third in the standings. Do you think that has more to do with Duke and North Carolina being better than Louisville or Louisville not being proven enough yet in the ACC to the media who is majority based out of North Carolina? It's the latter. I mean, there is, there's probably some media bias there uh, with their, you know, bleeding the, dark blue and, and powder blue but um yeah I, I think a lot of it has to do Louisville got a lot of Louisville obviously you return Jordan Mora you return Steve Enoch but a lot of what this team has is is kind of unproven to an extent I mean when you look at the like the super six those guys are going to play meaningful minutes you just don't know a lot about them uh, on paper Louisville has I think arguably as much talent as Duke and Carolina um, but I think a lot of it is is the unproven parts of this Louisville team. Uh, but in my opinion, they are the they should be the odds-on favorite uh, to win the ACC. And uh, and Duke, you know, of course is going to be right up there with them. Carolina, I don't know about this year. Uh, that's an interesting one. But yeah, I think uh, I think you're seeing the media bias there in that poll. So looking at kind of you know we we do the preseason freshmen all. Uh, all ACC in the preseason ACC player of the year. Obviously Jordan Wara um, got the nod for the preseason player of the year. Um, that kind of seemed, seemed like a given um, basically ba- based on the way, based on the number of players coming back. We basically had nobody from the, from the first team or second team returning this year. Um, as far as other players not getting a nod for, for instance, Steven Enoch didn't get any votes for second team. Um, Sam Williamson didn't get a single vote for freshman of the year. Um, what what kind of stands out to you as far as those um, accolades, and is that something that you think that that players will see and kind of take as like a um, something is like a chip on their shoulder going into the season? I think they will, and I think they should. I mean, Duke pretty much can field a, a freshman, you know, all ACC team apparently according to the polls um, and according to the voters. I think every single one of their freshmen could be a uh, freshman All American. So that's that's interesting. That goes back to the. Uh, a little bit of uh, potential media bias there, but no, I think it should. I think it should fire some of the guys up, especially a guy like Stephen Enoch that really had a good year last year and uh, really turned some heads. And I think showed that he, you know, has the capability that we all hoped he would have. Um, for, so yeah, for him to not even make second team All ACC, uh, that's an interesting one. Obviously, you mentioned Sam Williamson getting the snub. Uh, I don't think there's been a more hyped uh, freshman for Louisville in a while um so that one's interesting too but yeah I think this uh definitely should put a chip on the shoulder of some of these guys and uh I don't think they're going to need any more motivation to work harder but um this may give them a, a little extra chip on their shoulder all right well one more question and we'll get you out of here Louisville basketball recruiting has been possibly the hottest topic outside of just what's happening on the field with the football program They've missed on a lot of kids. I think they that Chris Mack had a strategy uh, after he closed out 2019 to try to get ahead of the Dukes and the North Carolinas and build relationships with a lot of these five-star kids. And unfortunately, he's just not proven enough as a recruiter and as a coach. And the program of Louisville obviously is not at the point where Duke and North Carolina are. In your mind, is there is it time to panic? Do you trust Chris Mack to be able to still get the kids that they that they want? In my mind, I am not so worried because I'm looking forward to graduate transfers and and set out transfers to kind of fill in the void where the six who came in this year uh, will kind of 
provide the star power. But in your mind, where where do you stand with the whole recruiting uh, aspect of things? I'm not as panicked about it, I think, as some people are. Um, it's, the thing with Chris Mack, you hate to see this, this staff put so much effort into these guys and then have Duke swoop in at the last minute and pick a couple of guys off, have North Carolina swoop in at the last minute and pick guys off. You hate to see that. But the one thing that Chris Mack has shown us over and over again at his time at Xavier, he can do a lot with a little. Very similar to Scott Satterfield in the way that he can do things with the football program. Chris Mack can do the same type of things with his basketball program. He can get the most out of guys. Um, So he's going to find guys that fit what he wants to do. They may not be the four-star guys, the five-star guys, uh, or they may be, you know, the low four-star guys, but he's going to find guys that fit into this system and what he wants to do. I do think he's a great – he's obviously a good evaluator of talent. He's got a solid staff that knows how to evaluate talent as well. They're going to find guys – it's just going to take some time. Um, I think we're, we're maybe a little spoiled with the way that the Super Six kind of came together. Uh, we expect it to be that way every year. Um and I think it certainly can be as Louisville continues to progress and as the program kind of gets back to that level uh, that we're accustomed to seeing it at. And I think they have a good opportunity, obviously, to do that this year. I think you make it to a Final Four this year, and all of a sudden recruiting for the next cycle really opens up for you, and maybe you're in with some guys that you didn't have an opportunity to be in with um, before that happened. But, yeah, I mean, I have faith in this staff. I have faith in Chris Mack and his ability uh, to go out and target guys and, and find kind of those diamonds in the rough that you can really polish into solid players here at the ACC level. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not ready to slam the panic button just yet. All right, man. Well, thank you for your time. It was great getting to, to chat with you. And, of course, it was great meeting you. Hopefully we can uh, get you uh, here in person and do the show with us. But uh, you guys can follow Taylor online or on Twitter. I should say online. I sound like my grandpa. On the, on the, on on the, the internet. Interweb. Yeah, on the line. <laughs> you can follow him on Twitter at, at Taylor Lynch, and that is an E, with not an O. That's an interesting fun fact about you. Uh, and then, of course, you can catch him on Louisville Sports Live every week with Ethan Moore. Thanks so much, Taylor. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks.